Don't hit snooze, it's Sunday. And every Sunday morning starts with Outer Line on Fox Sports Radio. Now live from downtown Las Vegas, it's Outer Line's Brian Feldman and former UNLV quarterback Caleb Herring. Live at Kicker's Gaming and Sports Bar. Free donuts and orange juice, plus Bloody Mary and mimosa specials during the show. Outer Line on Fox Sports Radio. Sunday mornings 8 to 9. Broadcasting live from Kicker's Gaming and Sports Bar. 931 Las Vegas Boulevard North and Washington. This guy has seen as many games, I think pretty much almost every home game. Maybe a couple here I haven't seen Doug there, but he's at every game. He definitely has his fingers on the pulse of this team, and um, we're looking forward to it. Today at noon, the Vegas Golden Knights face off against uh, the Minnesota Wild, a team they have struggled against this season. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, again, Doug is producing the show back in uh, – the Residential Bank Corp, uh, Fox Sports Studios, and we appreciate him there as well. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. Uh, the show is called Out of Line, and that is the page on Facebook. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Rather purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp um, is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Give them a call, 702-964-5720. They are currently giving away $2,500 in closing costs for any home financing program that you qualify for in the state of Nevada. Again, that number 702-964-5720. On tap again, the 2021 playoffs begin this afternoon for the Vegas Golden Knights. We will break it down. The first round series versus the Minnesota Wild. Um, it's going on. It's happening. And uh, we'll also talk about some of the other playoff series happening. Man, last night, a wild one with the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. Pretty cool there. We'll also break down um, – the NBA playoffs, which are getting ready to start today, the final day of the NBA season. And it's crazy because the teams seem to get healthy at the right time. You always wonder, are they really that injured, just kind of taking a little bit of time off, Spence, or are they really getting healthy? But teams like the Brooklyn Nets, all three of their stars back. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. And um, also, since we're talking about basketball, the Las Vegas Aces tipped off their season yesterday. And joining the show in a little while to talk Aces basketball is team GM Dan Padover. Um, he's going to be here talking about the, the team. They came so close last year. They seem to have uh, ramped up a little bit. Kelsey Plum back this year. I'm looking forward to it, Spence. They start their home season this coming weekend. They got one more game before that, but we'll talk to Dan all about that as well. Hey, listen, if you're uh, driving around, don't have much to do this morning, or just wondering what to do, finishing up breakfast, um, maybe blowing off church, not a great idea, but come on down and check us out again. We're live at at Kicker's uh, Gaming Sports Bar. It is located 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Again, right down the road from the Cashman Center, and also um, the Neon Boneyard, which is a really cool place if you've never checked it out. All the old neon signs from old Las Vegas, new Las Vegas. It's really cool. And, again, we're doing free orange juice, free donuts, uh, Bloody Mary mimosa specials while you're down here. So definitely come on down and check the place out. Um, That is what's on tap if you are looking, again, to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust. That's Residential Bay Court Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. And again, $2,500 in closing costs. I can't emphasize right now in today's world how big that is. It is a non-obligatory gift that Residential Bank Corp is giving you for uh, doing your home financing through their company. And again, any program you qualify that does include down payment assistance programs, they will give you $2,500 off closing costs. It's really cool. Before we get into the show, I I do want to talk a little bit more about Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. Spence, 17 big screen TVs here. They have the game sound on, Sunday ticket during the NFL season when they're a Packers bar. I don't love that being from Detroit, but, hey, they do it upright. During Packers games, they're giving away Packers bling, Packers jerseys. It's a great place to see the game again. Game sound is on, and they also have the NHL package. And there are a lot of places to go in Las Vegas, tons of them, to watch the Vegas Golden Knights game. If you can't make it down and get in the limited capacity seating at T-Mobile Arena, 
but kickers really does it right. Uh, they've got the, the place is about 50% capacity. Now, as I mentioned, uh, 17 big screens. They also have 15 gaming machines. Um, I did pretty well here a couple weeks ago playing, sticking around after the show. But I'll tell you what, to watch a Vegas Golden Knights game, the atmosphere is incredible in here. It's old downtown Las Vegas. But what's really cool is they do $2 shots during every Vegas Golden Knights game. When the Vegas Golden Knights score, they give away free shots to the entire bar. True story. Not many places like that. One other thing about kickers, too, I should say a couple other things. They pay it forward. If you're in the service industry, frontline workers, 50% off your bar tab all day, every day, 24-7. It's incredible. That's paying it forward. And for the UFC events, which there was one last night, now I guess they're at full capacity, but all the UFC events, the big pay-per-view events, they have here at Kickers, and they don't charge you to get in. You just need to go to their social media sites, check it out, and make sure you're here early because they line up out the door to get in. Every pay-per-view event is on right here at Kickers. It is a great place. And, again, that's 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Come on down, check out the show today, or come on down anytime. Watch your sporting events. Enjoy some gaming. they got a photo booth in the back, and Spencer and I love it. Some great artwork behind us, but really a quaint, cool bar. Uh, Dylan Reese and Jennifer Metzger did it up right. This place is awesome. Come on down and check it out. Spence, let's get right into Nightcap because we got a lot to cover today. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. It is time for Nightcap, and uh, the puck does start here. And Spencer, uh, and also we got Doug Douglas back in the, in the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio listening into the show and joining us as well today. He'll be at the Vegas Golden Knights game, going right from the studio to the game to handle the press box obligations. Um, this is a series, not that the Golden Knights are going to shy away from by any means, but they were trying to avoid it. They wanted to win the President's Cup, be the number one team in hockey. They did finish tied for the most points in the NHL with 82. One more win than Colorado. But Colorado, I think one more regular season home. Doug, if you're there and you're able to hear me, what was the final tiebreaker that gave it to the Avalanche since they ended up with the same record? A little bit bothersome because I would think the number one tiebreaker should always be head-to-head competition. And, I, you know, but I heard it's something like more regular season home wins or something like that. Yeah, what it was was more regular season wins, not in overtime. So the Knights, as you know, were lights out in overtime, but that's what got them. Yeah, really, really unfortunate uh, that that's the, the number one tiebreaker. But but I will say that I still think the Golden Knights are in a great position right now. They're playing great hockey. They have the best goaltending tandem in the National Hockey League, which always is extremely important in the postseason in the NHL. But the Minnesota Wild are nobody you can sleep on, and the Golden Knights are going to have to bring their A game. It's going to be a heck of a series. It is. I'll tell you what, they've got one of the more, meaning the Minnesota Wild, have one of the more exciting rookies in the league with Kaprizov. That guy is lights out, and that's who the Knights are really going to have to contain. But as you know, Brian, being a longtime hockey fan, uh, when it comes to the playoffs, the goalies are the ones that really tend to, you know, that one year, you can finish anywhere, but the goalies, you get a hot goalie, and it doesn't matter what seed you are, you can ride that for a while. You you absolutely can. We've seen it. We talked about it last week on the show, the L.A. Kings, when Jonathan Quick stood on his head, an old goalie cliche, but he really did, coming from the eight hole a few years back and really putting hockey on the map in the western United States with that incredible run the Los Angeles Kings had that year, and he wins the Vesna Trophy. I mean, it was really, really cool. And then, of course, what the Golden Knights did here in 2017-18 will be monumental, will be one of the most historic things in sports history, well past. Uh, our time on this planet. But, Doug, again, going to goaltending, Pete DeBoer has really remained steadfast since Leonard has returned from the concussion. 
they have been alternating games. There's been one time where uh, Fleury back, played back-to-back against the Avalanche, but other than that, it's been every other game. He hasn't tipped his hat yet on today's starter. Most people are anticipating Marc-Andre Fleury, who at 36 years old, the ageless wonder, having the best season of his career in, in, in a couple of statistics, goals against average 1.98 in the regular season, save percentage 0.928. The guy has been lights out 26-10 and 10 with six shutouts this season. But then again, look at Robin Leonard, 13 and four and two on the season, 2.29 goals against, 0.913 save percentage. He's got one shutout. I don't think he can make a wrong decision here, but Fleury has been the hotter goaltender down the stretch, Doug. Yeah, you're 100% right. I will say this. I like that DeBoer's not tipping his hand. Why give any, you know, info to the wild? They definitely both, Leonard and Fleury have different styles. And I don't know if you gentlemen have seen Leonard's recent picture of his hair, or should I say lack of hair? He shaved off all his hair uh, on his head. But I think that's very smart. You know, the Wild are probably going to go with Cam Talbot. And, you know, whatever he does will probably determine the series. But I like what Dave and Shane said. I was listening to Nighttime at Noon right here on KKGK on uh, Thursday, I believe it was. And everybody was... You know, because we all, the Wild were a thorn in the side of the Vegas Golden Knights this year. But you know what? The St. Louis Blues are battle-tested. They've done it before. They've recently won a cup from a, you know, just getting into the playoffs. I'm not sure. The Wild have not proven anything in the playoffs for, oh, I don't know, ever really. I mean, so, you know, granted, it's not the greatest matchup, but they're not, meaning the Minnesota Wild, not exactly seasoned, we shall say. No, I can't disagree with you. Golden Knights are as seasoned as any team in the National Hockey League, only their fourth season in the league. But this team, talk about battle-tested, playoff-proven. They've done it. And it really is shame to not get the President's Cup with 82 points to tie Colorado. It just kind of bites you. Even though the President's Cup is not a parameter that you want to look at as far as winning the Stanley Cups, many teams have had President's Cups jinx. But what a nice feat that would have been for the Vegas Knights to accomplish this year to get that. I had a feeling when they lost to the Avalanche last Monday that the Avalanche would run the table. The Kings hate the Gold Knights. They don't want them to win the to win the West. So, you know, and also the Sharks, I'm not going to say the Sharks laid down, but they played a lot of players that they brought up from the AHL in that game. And, uh, you know, even though they definitely played their hardest, you could see they were way outclassed by the Golden Knights in Wednesday night's game. But all that aside, we move forward. We've got a game at noon today. As we talked about, you know, Leonard has lost three of his last four games. I will be blown away if DeBoer starts um, Leonard as opposed to Fleury. But again, Doug, I agree with you. Don't tip your hat in any way, although I'm sure the Wild are expecting Marc-Andre Fleury in net tonight. And it really doesn't matter who's in net. It's going to who controls the pace of the game. And you're 100% right when you say Talbot. But this guy is a guy that, again, using that old goaltender cliche, can stand on his head. And it can't be talked about enough or emphasized enough in the playoffs. But when you have uh, when you have the playoffs starting, it's goaltending. And really, that's what it's going to come down to when it's all said and done, because you got to put the puck between the pipes. And sometimes that can be an astronomical feat for other teams. We talked about Jonathan Quick in the past. I remember years ago the Detroit Red Wings winning the President's Cup, playing the San Jose Sharks with a guy named Arturus Urbe in net. And literally, the, the Red Wings won one game in that series. And from the AC, the Sharks moved on. That's what a goaltender could do. Talbot has that kind of ability. Well, and I think for people watching you on StreamYard right now, I think your second sentence or your second question there that the Wiz put up there, how severe is their injury bug? That is critical. Max Pacioretty, there's your scoring. Alec Martinez, there's your block shot ability. That takes so much. No matter who the goaltender is, that takes so much pressure off the goaltender. Then you have Tomasz Nosek, who was getting hot. I mean, was really one of their hotter players for a week or two. And, you know, Ryan Reeves is expected to be back. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's every team, right? Every team. How severe is their injury bug? Can you get lucky? But, you know, that home ice advantage is so critical. If that team can hold on to that home ice advantage, that's what makes today at noon. I love a noon start. You know, I usually like to be in bed to sleep by 830 at night. So a noon start for an old guy like me, count me in. 
Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. It should be a good game. And um, you are right. Injuries play a huge role. Every team does have to deal with it. This last year has been incredible. It's not just been injury. You've had uh, virus protocol many times that have kept players out of games. And you've never seen anything like that, at least in my life. I've never seen anything like that. But, yeah, Pacioretty, Martinez, two huge guys. I agree with you. Nosek was playing well before he went down. Uh, Ryan Reeves they've done without for really the last third of the season. And you've got guys like Colasar, you've got guys like Will Carrier that do step up in the physical role and do help out where Reeves uh, Reeves' loss is most impacted is in the physical element of the game. And I think the Knights are fine there. But, yeah, Pacioretty has been an unbelievable compliment to Mark Stone. Not that Mark Stone wouldn't put up those same numbers with or without Max, but the two of them together to, again, pardon an old sports cliche, poetry in motion at times, those two just feel each other on the ice. And Pacioretty, this team, I think, is going to need Max and Alex if they're going to go far in the postseason this year. I agree 100%. I was on the phone. Here, I'll do a little name dropping here. I was on the phone yesterday with Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights here on Fox Sports Radio. And he he and I were just talking about a few things. And one thing he said is, isn't it wild that, wild, pardon the bad pun, isn't it crazy that the season could be over? Don't expect it to be over, but the season could be over basically next Saturday, or it could go all the way through to July. I mean, that's that's the playoffs, and that's why all of a sudden the fans going today, listening, watching, whatever you're doing, that's a little bit tightening in the old stomach. And just as a reminder, hope you listen to it on the radio, but if you don't, it will not be on uh, the normal AT&T Rocky Mountain. Today is a national game, so it will be on NBC National, because I know a lot of people always, where's the game, where's the game? If you're watching it on TV, it is on NBC National, the big game. Yeah. And, and and as good of a game as there can be, and we'll talk a second. We'll talk in a second about the other playoffs uh, series that are going on. Some really exciting ones yesterday. Uh, again, Washington Capitals, Boston Bruins, great series, and um, that's going to be exciting as as that one continues on. It ended in overtime. And talk about a goaltender. Washington Capitals could be in big trouble. They're now going to be counting on a guy who turns forty years old on Friday. But last question, Doug, to you with as far as the goaltending goes. Um, you know, the last time a team has won a Stanley Cup where actually goalies alternated every other game. You got to go all the way back to 1971-72, and it was the Boston Bruins with Jerry Cheevers and Eddie Johnston. They alternated every other game. You've had even Marc-Andre Fleury and Murray for the Penguins the last time they won the Stanley Cup, but they didn't alternate every other game. Do you think DeBoer sticks with this? throughout the postseason. I mean, obviously, if one of them starts playing really, really well or one of them plays bad, that would change. But if both of them play adequately, do what they did during the regular season, do you think he goes every other game? My gut is they will go every other game. You have to remember in the NHL, I think the stat was no team ever won the Stanley Cup without a captain. Okay, they've got Mark Stone now as the captain. So there's one. So why not go back a little bit? I would be stunned, like you said, if Fleury is not in net today – and if Leonard is not in net on Tuesday with, of course, you know, if there's injuries or if somebody gets lit up or something, I think, especially in this first round, because there's still a grind to go. I mean, this is, you know, if you plan on going a long way, we've got months to go. So I would expect to start out with a rotation at least the first two games and then see what happens there. I predict, here, I'll give you my stone cold lock, and I don't bet on the Knights, so I do not bet on the Knights uh, because I work for them. I'm going to say low scoring three to two, and then I'll let you decide who I uh, pick as the winner. So I'm just going to leave the score there three to two. Three to two is a good one. That means no empty net goals at the end of the game, um, unless it is a no, it can't be an empty netter with a three to two score. I like the score, Doug. I think five goals is a good parameter. That'll probably be the over under. It's usually five, five and a half goals. I think the Knights are going to win this game. I'll go ahead and say it. I'll predict it. I think the Vegas Golden Knights will come out and they'll win game one. I think it'll be a hard-fought game. I think Fleury will be in net, and I think he'll set the tone for this series today. Marc-Andre Fleury, as we know, gets lit up 36 years old and getting younger every year. He plays as good as anybody in the National Hockey League, and it's funny that uh, the Penguins are ready to give up on him four years ago, and here Marc-Andre Fleury is continuing to make history 
every year something he does something else that's more miraculous. Six shutouts this season in an abbreviated NHL season. Just incredible. You can go on and on about him. Talking about goaltenders, I'll segue into the other uh, 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 the series that I mentioned, Washington and the Boston Bruins. Boston, really, this is kind of a last hurrah for them. A lot of their players, one of the oldest teams in the National Hockey League, if they're going to make a run with the crew they've got now, it's going to be this year. Really hard-fought game against the Washington Capitals last night that ended in overtime, but Washington loses their starting goalie. Vicek Vanacek has been tremendous. I mean, he is one of the hottest young players in the National Hockey League. He has played so well. He went down, I believe, in the second period with a lower body injury, and they brought in Craig Anderson, who made a storied career in the NHL, but Friday he turns 40 years old. Doug, I'll ask you back in the season. As you say, get your old ass back, to, or you want to go to bed early by 8.30. How about 40 years old playing goalie in the National Hockey League? He hasn't played in two months and now you've got to play in the postseason where everyone steps up their game. We know in the National Hockey League, as much as any professional sport, the postseason, as fast as that game is, seems to get faster. How do they hang in there with this guy? Well, let's see. I'm looking at you. You've got some gray in your beard. I've started my playoff beard, and it's gray. You know, you got the whiz there. He doesn't understand. He's like, ah, come on. Who cares? Well, okay, maybe a little bit of gray. But, yeah, it is. You know what? That I'll tell you what. There's always some stories, you know, in every NHL season that would that would be a great story. But yeah, I I can't even imagine it. And what specifically you said there with the months, you know, the time between the last time he really got action and getting in—that's the key because you just cannot pick up, you know, like oh I haven't played in a few weeks or a month or something. That's the key. I think even more than age in the short term. If they get by Boston. Then we'll see what happens in that series. Yeah, that series, I look at that, no clue who's going to win that one. That one's going to be very close. I'll tell you what, if you want a lock of a series, which is bad because I'm not a betting person, I'm not going to say, oh, five-star lock, go here, go to Doug Douglas page. But, man, I do not see how Toronto, or no, sorry, I do see how Montreal, Toronto, the Edmonton, I don't see how Winnipeg is going to do anything with Edmonton. I think Edmonton walks into the next round. I think Montreal, I don't, I think they'll push them, but going to the north and the rest of the series, they all look great. Boy, Florida, Tampa Bay can hardly wait. Yeah, Florida Tampa Bay is going to be a real exciting series. A battle of Florida. That one's uh, late this afternoon, 4:30, game one there. I'm really excited about that. Florida had to beat Tampa Bay in the final two regular season games to make the postseason. And now here they are playing each other in the postseason. That's got to be a little bit in the melons of the Tampa Bay Lightning players. Uh, they've been a team that's been serious depleted by injury, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Um, and that is going to be a really interesting series. And don't count out the Florida Panthers. Again, those teams that get in at the very end, a la the L.A. Kings a few years ago, Man, you you start playing playoff hockey two weeks before the playoffs start. So you're really grizzled when it comes in. And, and then the other team, you know, they're like, ah, oh, this is the last seed. They barely made the playoffs. That's uh, when you get that's when you get beat. And I'm really looking forward to that series as well. Uh, the Penguins and the Islanders uh, face off at 9 a.m. They face off right after the show ends. So you got playoff hockey office immediately. Get down here and check that out. But, yeah, Washington and Boston is a series that I was really excited about. It is going to be interesting what happens. And one last thing on hockey, and we'll get over. I know I know, Dan Panover is waiting on the other line. I think he's already on, isn't he? No, he's not on yet. Okay, he's not until like 40. We got a few minutes. But how about last night? Stupid statistics, but Nick Dowd, who scored the game winner for the Washington Capitals in overtime, he is the first NHL player born in the state of Alabama to score a goal in the playoffs. And I don't, I never really, whoever would think of Alabama as a hockey town? Right, Spence? Oh, yeah. You got me, Brian. I have no idea. I don't know how you find these statistics. It, it always surprises me. It's like, how many goals did this guy score on Taco Tuesday in the month of July? But no, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it is obviously getting a little more popular as time goes on. It's just hard, right? Because when you, you think of basketball, all you need is a basketball and a hoop. And you can find a hoop anywhere in any park, right? Baseball, to a certain extent, you need gloves, but it's not too much, right? To, to play a game, obviously, you need a lot more. In football, you need a football, and that's probably the easiest one. Probably need like four people to get a game going. 
for hockey, you need skates, you need a, a, a hockey puck, you need a stick, you need, you need the ice. Weather. Yeah, you need you need the whole nine yards. So it's so difficult to play, but obviously there's this passion for it. And I think in college it's getting a little more popular as well. So I, that that bodes well to maybe like have more ice rings. I remember like ice rings are still popular. I think it's the transforming it into the league part that's been difficult, but clearly starting a transition of someone from Alabama is scoring in the playoffs now. Yeah, it's just cool to see a guy from a guy from a southern state in the United States. It's like people from out here when you get somebody from Vegas playing in the NHL, which we have a couple players now doing that. It's a really exciting thing, and I thought that was just a cool statistic, a guy from the state of Alabama scoring a goal, and it's just the first ever playoff overtime goal for a guy from that state. I don't even know how many guys from the state of Alabama ever even made it to the NHL. That I don't have a statistic for you, but I thought it was pretty cool when I said the guy from Alabama scores watching the game. That was pretty cool. Um, Looking forward to the playoffs. Again, Golden Knights face off 12 noon today, T-Mobile Arena, Minnesota Wild. Their first game on their way to what I think is their best chance to win a Stanley Cup. It is going to be tough. And what sucks is they got to come out of the West. And really an unfortunate playoffs scenario this year, I should say, uh, setup with all with three of the best teams in the National Hockey League. I mean, the Minnesota Wild ended up with 75 points, but they can play with anybody. And you've got three teams in the Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Wild that all three could compete for a Stanley Cup, and they're not even going to be able to all get out of the same division. It's never been like this before. And Doug was talking about the North Division, the Canadian teams. I think other than the fact that they've got two of the best players in hockey in that division, you know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Edmonton Oilers, I mean, Connor McDavid to me is one of the most electrifying guys I've ever seen since Wayne Gretzky. He is truly amazing with, without the puck. The guy does everything. And, of course, Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs is the reason the Toronto Maple Leafs are as good as they are this year, although they've gotten some good goaltending as well. But I think that is by far the weakest division in hockey. And it's almost unfair that one of those guys get to come out without having to play the other division first. I just don't like the setup. But, hey, everyone's got to deal with it. But I think someone in the West who comes out of the West is going to win the Stanley Cup this year. And I think it's going to be the the Avs or the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot of pressure? Nah, not really. This is their best opportunity. Like Doug said, no team without a captain has ever won a Stanley Cup. The Vegas Golden Knights have a captain. The best goaltending tandem in hockey, in my opinion, I think in a lot of experts' opinions, and really a team that gels well together and a coach in Pete DeBoer that a lot of people questioned when they fired Gerard Gallant, was this the guy for the job? I knew right away day one. Pete DeBoer is a no-nonsense coach. He keeps a lot of stuff tight to his chest. But what he understands and does is the, the, the way players gel. This guy will mix up lines in the middle of games when he sees certain things. And you don't see a lot of coaches that do that. Most of them stay the status quo, the status quo, excuse me, for the um, duration of a game at least. Pete DeBoer mixes things up mid-game. I love this guy as a coach. He is geared to win a Stanley Cup, and this team is very, very dangerous. And I'm, I'm talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, and that is a really cool thing, being from Detroit, where our four sports franchises in the perspective, big four sports professionally, um, are the worst in their, their perspective leagues, every one of them. The Pistons are garbage. The Detroit Tigers, although they've been winning a little bit lately, don't get excited about their four-game winning streak. They're garbage. The Detroit Lions, I don't need to go off about that. And, of course, the Detroit Red Wings from that long, one of the, long, the longest-standing playoff run in history to uh, one of the worst teams in the NHL. So it is really refreshing to say that the team in the city that I'm in has a very good chance of winning their championship, and that is the Stanley Cup championship, and it's the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, real quickly, Spence, getting to the NBA, and if we have time, we'll talk about it later on. I mentioned it a little bit ago, and, and quickly do a, a fact this if we've got it. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. So let's do it later on. I want I want to get right to Dan Pat over. He's on right now and talk about uh, the the Las Vegas Aces who tipped off their season yesterday um, in Seattle against the Storm. What what a terrible team to have to tip off the season against, Dan. Seattle is just stacked. I mean, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird. This team is geared to win another championship, and the, and the Aces have to go up them in game one. But it is a good way to get a temperature of this Aces team, get Liz Campage back in there, get her some minutes, get this team gelling. Kelsey Plum back from a year a year off with an injury. 
the Aces played well, especially down the stretch, maybe not in, in points in the game, but at the end they kind of got, got it close. They got it within 10 points again. How good is this Aces team this year? You know, the, the best part about it, and you mentioned Seattle and, and you know, the, the team that they are and the team that they've been for a long time, but that was just game one for our nucleus, right? So we saw a lot of good things yesterday, saw a lot of things we can work on, but from a talent perspective and for the group we got, I was encouraged. Um, and, I, and I think we got a long way to go. And we're going to get better every day. But Seattle right now might be, you know, playing the best basketball in the league because they're familiar with one another. But we'll hit our stride, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it all come together. Dan, the Aces last year uh, really seemed to get get it together and make a run, and everyone here enjoyed it. The Aces are another one of those teams that have been embraced by the Las Vegas community. Uh, I, I, I'm, I love seeing how many people attend Aces games, and it, it bodes well for the WNBA. But some few a few changes this made this year. Some players that we lost, some players that the agent that the Aces got. What do you expect this team? What, what's going to be the uh, the moniker of this team this year? You know, look, we're always going to be an inside-out team. You know, we're, we're led by, you know, returning MVP Asia Wilson, and we got Liz Cambage back this year. So uh, we're always going to be an inside-out team. We're going to be a smart team, and we're going to have to push the pace. We got Chelsea Gray. We got Kelsey Plum. got Raquana Williams. We got the Erica Hamby. We got a lot of people that like to run. So I, I would count on us, you know, really packing in the paint, really pushing the tempo, um, and really forcing teams to play our style of play. Um, you mentioned it. We got some, you know, Liz and Plum coming back, adding Chelsea Gray and Raquana Williams in the fold. So a lot of returning faces, but a lot of new faces that we're all really, really looking forward to gelling together and showing the Las Vegas community how the Aces play. Dad Padover, he is the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, tipped off their season yesterday. They'll play against Seattle again on Tuesday. They make their home debut in the 2021 season this coming Friday night against the LA Sparks, 7.30 p.m. tip-off. But Asia Wilson, you mentioned her, she is really one of the faces of the WNBA. Very outspoken. She is the perfect person to be someone that is a spokesperson for the WNB. 12 points in the first quarter yesterday. She really came out on fire. And for the Aces to make any kind of a run and be the team that they want to be, Asia Wilson, it really go, you know, it stops and starts with her. As important as Camp Page is in the middle, Asia Wilson really is the nucleus of this basketball team. How much do you guys count on her, not just on the court, but off the court? Look, Asia's our leader. Um, and, and you said best, she's the face of the franchise and becoming the face of the WNBA. So her consistency day in and day out is what really drives us. Um, it's what drives her teammates. It, it's what drives all of us to be better. Um, and, you know, you, you said it, we'll stop and start with Asia and we'll go to bat with her every day of the week. And we're lucky to have her as our franchise player. So we're very fortunate that she was the uh, number one pick in 18 for sure. Dan, Bill Lambeer. I mean, you talk about a guy that's going to get you recognition. You know, obviously, being from Detroit, I've got a place in my heart for Billy Lambeer. We had our issues when I was in the media in Detroit years and years ago, but who didn't have issues with Bill Lambeer? But, you know, the one thing about him is he does have a really good basketball mind. Spencer, our intern here, wasn't a huge Bill Lambeer fan. We told Bill when he was on the show, and he laughed about that. But the thing is with Bill Lambeer, people did have questions about his ability to coach this team. He's been with the, in the WNBA a while now, really familiar with the league, very familiar with this team. But there was talk about Bill maybe not coming back as the Aces coach. Now he's here. He's, he's firmly established again. How important is Bill Lambeer to this team now and to the future of the Aces? Yeah, look, I think, you know, Bill has proven himself within Detroit, New York, and now in Las Vegas to be a franchise builder and to be, you know, one of the top coaches in the league history. So just like we stop and start with Asia, Bill's the leader of as the coach of this team and players are all on his page. Um, they, they, they're going to make sure that they execute the game plan that not only him, but Tanisha, Vanessa and Sugar, our assistant coaches put out right. And it's a really fun group to work with and just see it all come together. I love listening to Bill Embry. You never know what you're going to hear out of him. What you do hear out of him is what he's thinking. He is one of the most transparent coaches, uh, guys around that you talk to, and I, I enjoy that about him a great deal. One of the things Spencer just put up on the screen, you probably see it as well, how will the Aces fare without the departure of Kayla McBride, 
one of the team's all-stars. She really was one of the pistons of the engine of this Aces team that made it go. And I said when I first heard she was gone, wow, she's going to be sorely missed. How do you feel? Well, you know, Kayla had a business decision to make, and she moved on to Minnesota. And we were very fortunate that, you know, a perennial all-star, Chelsea Gray, was sitting there. And we're able to fill her in in the guard spot, also have Raquana coming back. So, um, you know, we feel really good about where we're at and, and these players on this team moving forward. Dan, uh, as I said, you got another game Tuesday night, Friday night. Um, how, and, and last year, the impact of COVID and uh, the, the protocols and everything else in the WNBA, how has this impacted the WNBA and uh, the players? You know, last year it was a bubble season, so everybody kind of knew what to expect. Um, you're in one place. There's certain rules you can do and not do. It's challenging to kind of create that bubble within each team's home market and force people to not do their daily activities. So it's been really challenging. The biggest part is the mental part of it. Um, just going to practice and just going back home to your apartment for the players and coaches is tough. Uh, but we're hoping as the vaccination statuses of our players in the league rise and, and the percentage of fully vaccinated players and teams rise, things loosen up and, and, you know, real life can get back to normal for, for everybody. And that's not just in the W and the aces. That's, you know, around the city, around the country. I think everybody wants that for the health and growth of everybody. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that we're all looking forward to seeing the world get back to normal. The WNBA, last question, one of the biggest ambassadors for the WNBA, and I say not who put him on the map, because WNBA has been around a lot longer than most people know, but Kobe Bryant was really one of the heartbeats of the WNBA. He believed in the league so much, and – is there a way to replace what Kobe Bryant brought to the WNBA? Look, I don't think there's any ever going to be a way to replace Kobe or anything he brought to the league or basketball for that matter. But I think what he was trying to do and the value he really placed on the WN and sports, you'd hope would trickle to NBA players, fathers, to just people around the country. Just if, if Kobe Bryant had a passion for the league, then it must be something special because he's a he's a purist, he's a basketball purist, and he you know he's a visionary. So you just hope that that trickles on and and hits other people, but there will never be a replacement for Kobe, as we all know. Yeah, well, he's done so much for the league, and I think the success of the league and the continued success of the league is in part attributed to Kobe Bryant. He's Dan Padover, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. Really looking forward to seeing you guys play this year again, and maybe take one final step this year into WNBA elite basketball and win a championship. Going to be teams tough or to beat like Seattle, but uh, I think the Aces are equipped to make a run again this year. Absolutely. That's always the goal. Dan, we appreciate you. We'll definitely have you on again. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Dan Padover, again, general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. Spence, I have a great time going down there and watching this team play basketball. Some really good players. Liz Campage, huge to bring her back again. I know she has talked about retiring, going into modeling, but she has come back. Her and Asia Wilson, that is a nucleus of any WNBA basketball team. Get Kelsey Plum back in the mix. As he said, you've got other players. Hamby, who's been a sixth player of the year in WNBA twice now. This is a team that can make a run. Yeah, this is what I'll say. And I'm not going to sit here and just like, you know, say all these horrible things about the team. But look, this this is the situation that we found ourselves in, okay? We have probably a top three player in Liz Cambage. I'm talking about physically dominant, where there's like basically no matchup for her that you feel comfortable with outside of uh, uh, Tierra McCowan, who is not even on a playoff team. So <laughs> in terms of moving forward, I mean, you have Asia Wilson, who got to be close to the top three now, given her accolades early in her career. And then Kelsey Plum, we know what kind of score she can be. And he talked about the acquisition of Gray. So when you have all these players together, I think the expectations have to be a little higher than what they've been in years past. Not making the playoffs, getting bounced early in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like it, it has to be to the point where they're getting to the NBA or the WNBA finals soon, in my opinion, because – you can't have a, t a roster as talented as this, and you can't fall short like that short all the time and get dominated and pretty much handled in the playoffs so far. I don't know how you feel about that, but I have high expectations for this team the way that I look at them. And 
whatever the case may, may be, but they have to make change. If you look at if a W or an, if an NBA team had that kind of talent on there and they weren't going to at least to the conference finals every year, there would be a lot more talk in the town about it. That's all I have to say. I, I'm excited for the season. I love watching the WNBA. You know, I'm very passionate about it. So I, I wish them the best of luck and I hope they have a dominant season. Well, knowing that we're going to have Bill Ambeer on the show soon, I noticed that you kept him out of your conversation. But I think the reason you think that they fall short of what they should accomplish is in part due to Bill Ambeer. But I really think he is a player's coach. And if you see the relationship he has with his team captain and Asia Wilson, they really respect him a great deal. And when you've got a guy that's played in the NBA, won championships, played for years in the NBA, it's hard not to respect him. And I think these guys do as a coach. But you're right. You've got to put the right plays in place to make them win and to help them play against teams like Seattle. I like Bill Ambeer. I think he'll do a fine job for this team. I don't know that they can win the WNBA championship this year with teams like Seattle. I mean, Brianna Stewart is as good as it gets. Uh, Sue Bird is still playing great basketball, as we saw yesterday. That is going to be a tough and a formidable foe for anybody to play. But I do expect the Aces to play well, and I think they will get to the playoffs again this year. And who knows, if everything stays I should say if everyone stays healthy, this team has a chance. And Kelsey Plum, the one thing she really needs to do, she scored 11 points yesterday. She's got to pick up the pace and become the scorer she was in college because in college she was always lights out. She has struggled a bit throughout her career in the WNBA putting up the same points she was able to put up in college. But she looked really good yesterday. She's healthy. The knee's good. And I'm glad she's still a WNBA player. Uh, she, she definitely – lives and breathes this sport. You can see it when she plays. Let's transition over since we're speaking about basketball and get back over to the NBA. A 72 regular game season comes to an end today uh, with most of them playing their 72nd game. One thing still undecided over in the West, whether the Lakers will have to be a playing team or whether they'll get that sixth slot. That'll be decided today as well. But um, Spencer, it is going to be an interesting NBA playoffs this year. There's a lot of teams in positions that probably at the beginning of the season you didn't see them in at this point, but they're there. Teams like Philadelphia that are up top. Who expected that at the beginning of the season with a team that traditionally never always all been able to play together? And you talk about injury. That team's been bit by the injury bug for like five years in a row. This year they put it together and they're up top of the, the NBA's Eastern um, Conference but I'm not sold on that team winning the NBA title or even getting to the NBA Finals at this time. But um, you've got a team, and, and the team I was talking about was the Brooklyn Nets, when I say teams that haven't played together um, all season long. When you talk about the big three of the Brooklyn Nets in Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, you were talking about three of the best players in the NBA. Again, it has the makings of the supercell, that super three team. But yet they've only played as of after the game yesterday, which they did win handily against the Chicago Bulls, eight games together. In history, the fewest games played together by former NBA champs, uh, three top scorers. In 2000 and 2001, you had the least amount. Ten games played by Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and Derek Fisher, who were the three leading scorers on that team. I wouldn't say that's as big of a three as Kevin Durant, James Harden, or Kyrie Irving. They played ten games together. In 2003-2004, I remember that season well. The Detroit Pistons, 17 games played together by Richard Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, and Rasheed Wallace. Their big three, although they had Ben Wallace, one of the most dynamic rebounders in the league that time, and Tayshawn Prince, who aren't mentioned. But those three only played together 17 games. And then in 1994-95, the Houston Rockets, when Michael Jordan was on his little two-year hiatus, uh, their first NBA championship, they played 19 games with their three leading scorers, Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and Vernon Maxwell. But very rarely, when you have teams that have been bitten by the injury bug like the Nets have all year, they come together at the end of the season. Will it be enough for the Brooklyn Nets to win the East and maybe even compete for the NBA crown? Uh, it, it's it's a fascinating, right? I think this is the most interesting team ever assembled in the NBA, ever. I mean, the thing about it is, well, we all know that Kyrie and Cam Kevin Durant have NBA titles, right? But at the same time, both of them have received the same criticism in that they can't get it done by themselves or they need someone else to do it. Kevin Durant, everyone said Steph Curry, Kyrie, you had uh, LeBron James, obviously. And James Harden is just 
notorious for not playing well in the playoffs. He had that disastrous game seven, I believe, against San Antonio at home where he scored like no points, shot like 11 shots. So all of those things are still looming all, all over all of them. But we know like the fact that these three elite scorers are on the same team and team chemistry you think would be an issue, but all of them are brilliant independent scorers. And the most, I guess you'd say, important thing about the way the team has been made up is James Harden has embraced the role as a facilitator. He's probably been exhausted to a certain extent as Houston because he was scoring like all these triple doubles. He broke like the, one of the records or he was like close to it for most third consecutive 30 point games. They don't necessarily need him to score 30 points every game now. He's going to get closer to those 17 assists, the 24 point, 17 assist type of games in the playoffs. Now, the other factor of this is that the East is traditionally very easy to make it to the finals. LeBron James, we know, walked through for many, many years. Kawhi Leonard had one year in the East, and he went straight to the finals. There's only one team that I think has any sort of chance to stop them by going to the playoffs, other than the fact that they do physically have to stay healthy. Now they look like it now because they're all three back. But these guys have had very bad injuries, especially like hamstring injuries. Those can linger. Those can pop back up. But assuming they stay healthy, I think there's only one team that matches up well against them. And it's not necessarily that they're better. I just think that uh, one for one that they can actually do it is the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday will face Kyrie Irving. Now, no one's going to stop Kyrie. Nobody's going to stop Kevin Durant. And no one's going to start James Harden. But as you go through, P.J. Tucker can guard James Harden. Okay, it gets a little better. And then Giannis, physically speaking, can then at least match up with Kevin Durant to a certain extent. And, and beyond that, Giannis Antetokounmpo, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen the last game, but, man, he had scored like 50 points against the Brooklyn Nets. Everyone says DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan. This guy only plays like 18 minutes a game. He's at the very tail end of his career. And I, I know they have a couple of other guys, but they're very young. Giannis Antetokounmpo will have a free pass through the Brooklyn Nets defense, and we know that they don't play defense nearly at all. It's gotten better, as I predict, as the season gone on. They were historically the worst defense ever when the big three got together, but that's a whole team chemistry thing. But nonetheless, they're not going to be a top-five defensive team in this year's playoffs. They're going to out, try to outscore you, score that 125 range. I think if Milwaukee can hold them to around 115, which sounds ludicrous to say, but if they can hold them to around 115, I like their chances. Drew Holiday has gotten playing his best basketball at the best time of the year, which is at the end after the All-Star break. Who cares if you make an All-Star team if you're playing your best basketball going into the playoffs? And they're going to have a very easy time going through the, the first round. I mean, once you get past one, two, three, and I guess you could say the Knicks maybe at four, I'm not really worried about any team. They're all hot messes or they're all too young. So all things considered, Brooklyn Nets will likely walk through the playoffs and go to the finals. But again, I think Milwaukee probably has the best chance to stop them if anybody's going to do it in the East. And I'm not sure if anyone in the West can match up with Brooklyn at all once you get there. That's a great soliloquy. And I will tell you, Spencer, I, my, I echo your thoughts exactly. I think Milwaukee is going to win the East. And I think it's going to be very, very tough for them. But Giannis can be so dominant, as you mentioned lately, he is so geared up for this playoff run this year. He's always been a very, very focused player, but more so now than ever before. And I think what's going to hurt Brooklyn is that lack of chemistry. As good as the three of that three-headed monster is with Durant, Irving, and Harding, I still think Milwaukee has more – they're more of a cohesive unit. And I think they've played together all season long. They haven't been nearly as bitten by the injury bug, and they are going to be a tough out. And it's funny, we completely disregard the Philadelphia 76ers, <laughs> who have the best record in the Eastern Conference. But, Spencer, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Why don't you believe in Philadelphia? Well, I mean, you have your two best players, right? You have Ben Simmons, who's a defensive player of the year candidate, no doubt about that. And then you have Joel Embiid, who's been the most dominant player in the NBA. That's what I'll say. He's not going to win MVP. He simply hasn't played enough games this season. But and again, Joel Embiid is kind of in the same boat as Giannis Antetokounmpo, where he's going to have free reign on the Brooklyn Nets if they somehow match up against each other, where he's probably going to score like 35 to 40 points a night, like something that ridiculous, simply because they don't have anyone to guard him. But once you get past that, who's their uh, Tobias Harris? I mean, they haven't really gotten it done in the playoffs. Now, there were a couple of bounces away in that Toronto series for making it happen. But I just don't know. Like, Ben Simmons is really the mystery factor in all of this. We know he's going to play well defensively against, 
I don't know, Kevin Durant or James Harden, whatever, whoever they deem to do so. But after that, then you start looking at individual matchup. Tobias Harris is going to be on Kevin Durant. Ooh, that's really, really, really rough. Seth Curry is going to guard Kyrie Irving. I mean, they know they have a few different rotational guards, but he's better defensively than his brother. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I just don't, I think what they're going to try to do is try to match them scoring wise. And that's just physically not going to be possible for them. The Brooklyn Nets would run them over. Not to say that it wouldn't be a sweep or anything like that. I'd say probably six games and, and the Brooklyn Nets would get it done. They just need another star. And I don't think Tobias Harris is going to be able to step up enough for them in this year's playoffs to make that a possibility. Now, in any other season, when you don't have a mega super team like the Brooklyn Nets, which we've never seen before, other than maybe the Miami Heat, although you could say Chris Bosh pales in comparison to the third best player on the Brooklyn Nets. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we've never seen something like this before. So having a, a, a tandem of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris simply isn't enough to get it done in this year's postseason. That's, I, I can't argue that. That is what I would have said as well. And Joel Embiid, when he is healthy, though, Spencer, is a lot of fun to watch. Oh, of course. It's just unfortunate that he can't seem to stay healthy for an entire season. But there is no doubt Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, as far as a tandem goes, as good as any two players together in the league. But you've got to add that third element. And their third element just isn't quite as good as the Brooklyn Nets. Um I know you think the Brooklyn Nets are going to come out of the East. I think most people now are thinking that as well with the three of them back. Like I said, I think it's Milwaukee, but it's more of a sentimental thing. I just don't like the egos of the Brooklyn Nets, so I wouldn't mind seeing them get knocked down. Really quickly, over in the Western Conference, I love the Dallas Mavericks as though they're not going to go anywhere because, to me, they have one of the most exciting players in NBA history on their team, and the kid's 24 years old. And if you haven't seen uh, the the Dallas Mavericks play – really watch them play basketball. They are one of the most fun teams to watch. But nobody seems to give respect to the team with the best record in the NBA, and that's the Utah Jazz. Why do they not get the respect that I think they deserve? They've never done it. That's the problem. I mean, historically, the team is not being able to do it. And look, is Donovan Mitchell enough to get past someone like LeBron James and Anthony Davis? That's the true question. You do have a who's he's going to win his third defensive player of the year for a third year in a row. Rudy Gobert on the team, which, of course, is going to be a factor. But as you get deeper in the postseason and you start bringing him out to the perimeter, this guy is flat footed as can all be. So I think specifically the Lakers is like their nightmare scenario because Anthony Davis does play the five at some points. And I think they will like solely play him at the five if they are playing the Utah Jazz because you get LeBron James in a pick and roll with I don't even know who they would probably play if they're three I know you have like Bogdanovich and everything like that but you get Anthony Davis and LeBron James in a pick and roll and you get Rudy Gobert out to the three-point line he essentially becomes nothing so I have a lot I can say a lot more about it but I would say that interaction specifically is the reason they won't go far but they do have a chance I mean they, they play for each other they play very well Best record in the NBA. NBA playoffs start next Saturday. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. Again, right after the game, you got NHL hockey starting and the Golden Knights face off 12 noon today, T-Mobile Arena against the Minnesota Wild. Should be a hell of a series. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. We'll have some guests on next week. I want to thank Doug Douglas back in the Fox Sports uh, Residential Bankrupt Studio for producing our show today. Couldn't ask for a better producer or guy to do the show and helping us out with our nightcap segment. Of course, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski for taking care of the video element of the show and also joining in with some great uh, points himself. And, of course, Jennifer Metzger and Dylan Reese here at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar in North Las Vegas. Uh, wouldn't know what to do with them at North Las Vegas Boulevard. Come on down and watch the game from here if you're not going out to T-Mobile Arena. No better place to watch it. Free shots uh, every time they score a goal. $2 shots all game long. I'm Brian Feldman. We're past our time. We're out. We'll see you next week.